notes and things tonight, we're not looking at the full doctrine of free will. We're looking at it in the realms of salvation. There's a lot that I could say, and a lot of people have lots of different opinions on this topic. And uh, I had someone ask me if, uh, and this, and let me make sure you, let me make sure you get a few things, you understand a few things. And someone asked me a couple days ago, they're like, Pastor, you're preaching some of these things because you're preaching at me. I'm not preaching anything at anybody, okay? And maybe I'll just do this. If I ever am preaching at you, I'll make sure that you're looking at me, and I'll be like, John, this is for you, something like that. And so, but I don't go out of my way to, and this is the thing, people have different ideas. Those that are more Calvinistic in their thinking have different ideas about this topic. And, and that's the thing. You might say, well, I have a different opinion than you do. You come sit down with me, and let's talk through your opinion. And let's look at the Bible and see what it says. I'm not opposed to looking at something and learning. Maybe there's something I need to learn better that I don't know. One of the things I figured out, if you think in Christianity you have everything figured out, you have figured it wrong because you don't have it all figured out. And there are times, and I'll tell you, I've been a Christian now, how long? 30, 30 years, 31 years. That's a long time, wow. But I'll tell you this, I hear some people saying, I've heard pastors, I haven't changed on one thing. And I have changed on things. But when the Word of God shows me that I've been wrong on a certain area, I've got to change and line up with God's Word. God's Word's always what's right. And so I'm always up to learning things and hearing things, and so... If you say, well, pastor, I don't agree, let's sit down and talk about it. I'm totally fine with that. Now, if you want to cause a stir in the middle of a church service, I will shut you down. Don't worry about that because we, um, we follow the word of God. But if you want to talk about things, we can talk and we can see where things are. But when we talk about free will, there are a lot of different opinions and thoughts out there when it comes to free will, and especially when it comes to salvation. A, a person that's more Calvinistic is going to believe that man does not really have a free will. That man, because of God's grace, his irresistible grace, we don't have a choice but to trust Christ. And I've, had, I've tried to have this explained to me, and they try to explain it with big words that, maybe that's the problem, those big words, I just don't understand the big words. That might be the thing that hinders me a little bit. But when I look at the Bible and I study the Bible, we looked at last week, we looked at election and how God chooses us according to his foreknowledge. What a Calvinist has a hard time with is that man's will could trump God and his will. That God waits on, that God's will, that man's will matters more than God's will in something. And that's not the case. God is sovereign. God is over all things. Like, just so you know, you know, some of you, I know, depending on where you stand politically and things, some people were hoping for a red wave last night. There wasn't even a low tide last night, it doesn't look like. Say, but this is the thing. I don't care if there's a red wave, a blue wave, a purple wave. It's not the, pro it's not the answer. When we in California have 3.3 million voters that voted at least to pass Prop 1, and put abortion into our state constitution, we have bigger problems than Democrat and Republican. We have heart problems. And this, is the, and this is what we need. We don't need a certain group in Congress. We need this book to get into the hearts of people. And if this book doesn't get, and what we're seeing is 
people are getting more and more ridiculous on the things that they stand for. But this, but this is that I can't look and judge that because most of them are blind to the truth of God's word. If you don't know Christ, you're blind to it. The problem is the Christians that are blind to it when you're alive, when you should know what's going on. And shame on us that we don't. But what we see, and just what I see last night in what happened here in the state of California, I don't think the church is doing enough to get the gospel out. Because that is the answer. If we want, and this is, and this is the thing, I'd, and you can stand where you want to on all of it. I, I am a conservative Republican. I am. But I don't care how Congress, do you realize they're all going to fight and they're all going to argue and they're never going to get much figured out anymore. And all they're going to do is blame each side for every little thing and, they're gonna, and no one's ever going to own up for where they're at. Politics are not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. The heart of man has to change and the heart of man is going in the wrong direction. And it's always been in the wrong direction, but it's getting worse and worse where we're going to see things before our eyes start to happen. I mentioned in our prayer time tonight, um, CBS News mentioned it and a few other news outlets. There was a missionary. He, wasn't, he was known as a, an American aide in Iraq, but he's an American missionary, a Baptist missionary, that yesterday in Iraq, he, driving with his wife, four kids. I actually think I have a picture of their family. Let me put it up real quick. Sorry, I wasn't planning on adding this in here, but right here, there's a picture of them right there. Um, so he's a, they're missionaries in Iraq. Been there several years as missionaries. And he was shot in the head while driving his car yesterday with his wife and children in the car. And it was done on purpose because of his stand for the Lord. His wife and children are on their way back from Iraq tonight. But this is what we're seeing in the world today. This is a martyr. He was martyred for his faith. And the way the world's going, it's not going to be too much longer. It's going to be the same around here. And so the only hope that there is in this world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So and I know some people, like, like I watched the news a little bit last night, and yes, I get irritated by all that. Just turn all that stuff off. Read your Bible, trust Jesus, and everything will be all right. And tell someone about Jesus. Go find someone and tell them about Jesus. It's the best thing you could ever do. So we look at free will tonight. I want to look at it in the basis of salvation. The fact is, man does have a will. And man's will does a lot of times run contrary to God. If we were to say that man does not have a free will then in all reality, God leads people to sin. That's literally what we're saying. And I do not see in the Bible, the Bible says that God doesn't tempt any man with evil. He doesn't do it. So God's not, God didn't lead Pharaoh to sin. God doesn't lead Hitler to do what he did to Israel. God, and this is the thing, we see there is this thing of free will. We make a choice. As Christians, do you realize you make a choice today? You can either put on the new man and put off the old man, or you can let the old man run your life. There are choices that we get to make. 
And so I want to just look. This is going to be a very simple study tonight. It's not going to be very deep. And there are a lot of people that go a lot deeper on things. This is not going to be very deep. But I want to look at free will according to what the Bible says. In the matter of salvation, the Bible is very clear that each man has a free will to either choose God or to reject God. Man has that choice. Number one, as we dive in, and I want you to see when it comes to salvation, I want you to see God's will. What is God's will concerning salvation? Are you ready? Letter A, we see that it is God's will that all men would be saved. Not the chosen elect, not certain all men. Now I hear that people will say, well, he's talking about all the Christians or all those that he has called. That's not what that says. It says all men. Let's look at some verses about it. The Bible talks about um, Matthew 18, verse 14. Even so is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It is not God's will that anyone perish. God's will is for no one to go to hell. Think about that one. Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 2, verse number 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. If God's will was done, no one would not trust him. Everyone who heard about the gospel would trust Christ. That's God's will. The Bible makes it clear right here. That's God's will. Who would have all men to come unto him. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3, verse number 9, the Lord is not, and it's, it's actually chapter, yeah, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Where look at this. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So when we look at God's will, we see it is God's will that all men are saved. Do you see that from these verses here? Letter B, we see that it is God's intent that all men would be saved. This is what God wanted. The Bible tells us, Romans 5, verse number 18, Therefore, as by the offense of, of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. The Bible tells us in 1, Peter 2, or 1 Timothy 2, verse number 6, Who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. You see, Jesus died for all. His sacrifice is good for all. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4.10, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Now there are those who would say, that when it's talking about he's the savior of all men, it's all those who trust in him. But look at what it says. Especially of those that believe. So he did die for all. And then one of the things that a Calvinist will have a hard time with, and people down, and this is the thing. I'm not against, I'm not against Calvinists. There are a lot of great people I know that have some Calvinistic thoughts. And there are some Calvinistic thoughts that are not bad thoughts. They're not. And there are some that, like I said, it's just too, I can't figure it out. And so if the Spirit of God doesn't convict me, when I, I'm not going to go down that road. And maybe the Spirit of God convicts them, that's where they need to be. I'm not going to question it. That's not my job to do. But, what I'm, what, but when we look at this and we think on these things, we just see that, and 
his payment was good for all. He'll say, well, his payment's good for those who trust. Yes, for those who trust him, but it was there for everyone. Like, I could go into, a, I go into McDonald's tonight, and all of you are at McDonald's, and I could say, I'm paying for everyone. That doesn't mean everyone has to accept it. They could say, I'm paying for myself. No one's paying for me. And there would probably be a couple of you that would try to pull something like that. Just because it's been paid, not everyone takes that payment. As we look at these verses, it looks more. Titus 2, verse number 11, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. It's for everyone. Revelation 21, verse number 6, it says, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Now, something interesting. Before I gave, I, I had this printed out last week, and I had someone who has some other thoughts on these passages talk to me on Sunday. And one of the things that they said is, you shouldn't use Revelation 21.6 because that's talking about the saved people that are in heaven. And I'll tell you this, that's a true statement right there. So in all reality, as we talk about the gospel for all men, I would not include this verse anymore. I'm telling you that because this is talking about after the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment, and this is heaven. This is the new heaven and the new earth. And so this is referring there. So this verse I probably wouldn't use now, where a week ago I was going to use it. So see there? Yeah. Let her see. Let's keep on going tonight. It is God's command that all men be saved. So we look at these things. It's God's will that all men are saved. It's God's intent that all men are saved. It's God's command that all men are saved. Listen to what it says in Acts 17, verse number 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Could it, do you see that there? God's command is for everyone to repent. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3, verse 23, it says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Do you see what God commands us to do? To believe on the name of the son of Jesus Christ and to love one another. God commands us to do this. We also see the Bible tells us in Matthew 7, verse 21, it says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, or God's commandment, he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is God's will? That all men repent. That we believe on the name of the Son of God and love one another. So we see the fact that it's God's will that all men should be saved. We see it's God's intent that all men should be saved. We see it's God's commandment that all men should be saved. And letter D, we see it is God's invitation. God invites all men to be saved. This is a salvation verse. The Bible says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That, doesn't, uh, that includes everyone. It's an invitation. Now, Revelation 22, 17, this is the end of the book. This verse I would still use in this matter. The one in chapter 21 is referring to up in heaven. This is the end of the Bible, and this is the last words in the Bible. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. 
Uh, do you see that right there? It's an invitation for all, whosoever will. Last time I checked, we're all a whosoever, right? Anybody? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? What it shows? And um, we also see the fact, next one, letter E, it is God's desire for all men to be saved. A few verses there in the book of uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 18, verse 31 and 32. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. Do you know what turn yourself means? Repent. And I want you to understand, too, salvation in the Old Testament is no different than salvation in the New. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord does not change. So they look to the cross, we look back to the cross. And they had to repent and turn to Christ just like we do. And you see how God takes no pleasure in the death of him that dieth? God doesn't take pleasure in it. God doesn't take pleasure in people going to hell. He does not. See in Ezekiel 33, verse number 11, it says, Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord of hosts, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? God doesn't take pleasure in people going to hell. He would rather you turn and repent. So when we look tonight, we see the fact that God's will is clearly stated in the Bible. God's will has been right before our eyes this evening. It is God's will that all men should be saved. It's God's intent that all men get saved. It's God's command that all men get saved. It's God's invitation for all to get saved. And we see it's God's desire for all men to get saved. So we've seen what God's will is. So let's look at number two. And you say, Pastor, are we going to get done early tonight? We're only at 7 o'clock. You might get lucky here tonight. You might get blessed. You might get blessed. Maybe. We'll see. It's one of those things where I thought about going real deep on the subject, but I'm like, no, I'm going to keep it not too deep because it's a Wednesday night and you've all been busy all day long and some of you are ready to go to sleep now. And if I go too deep, your mind's going to wander on it. You know, some people tell me, I'm just, sometimes my eyes just close because I'm thinking about what you're saying and then it just makes my eyes close. And I'm like, whatever, whatever. And uh, there's a few others that tell me, yeah, your voice just puts me to sleep. I've heard my voice online. In my head right here, it sounds pretty good, but I've heard my voice online. It does, it, that won't put you to sleep. That will drive you up the side of a chalkboard is what it will do. That's about it. Oh, Russ said amen. That's his first amen. In several. I'm glad you're awake tonight, Russ. That's good. As we look at man's will... As we look at what the Bible has to say about man's will, I want you to see a few verses, okay, about some things when we look at man's will. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 19. This was Moses' final cry to the children of Israel, his final message before they entered into the promised land without him. It said, I call heaven and earth to record this day unto you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed 
may live. Do you see that Moses is calling on them to make a choice? Do you see that there? They're making a choice. Joshua, at the end of his days in Joshua 24, 15, And if it may seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve. God's not making them serve him. God's not forcing them to do it. They are choosing. Hey, if you want to go into the promised land, go into the promised land. If you don't want to go, then you're going to wander around for a while. You decide what you do. Choose you this day when you'll serve whether the gods which your father served, which are on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Think about Moses and Hebrews chapter number 11 talks about Moses. says, by faith, Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The Bible doesn't tell us that God made him do these things. Moses chose to do this. When we look at man's will, and according to salvation, there are several things that we see. Letter A, we see you have the choice to receive or not receive. To receive or not to receive. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, verse 11 and 12, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you see the fact that there were some that received him? And there were some that received him not. Do you see that right there? So when it comes to salvation and man's will, man can either receive him or not receive him. Letter B, you can believe or not believe. That's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible tells us, John three sixteen. we know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth. That's anyone believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Same chapter, 20 verses down, verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You see, you can believe and have life, or you cannot believe and you won't see life. Do you see that right there? Let's keep on looking at some more verses. Acts 8, verse number 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The eunuch made a choice, and he believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse number 24, But as for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, there's a choice to be made. You choose to believe or not to believe. So someone says, so then I'm saved because I made the choice to be saved. Okay, if you want to go down that road, we can go down that road for a second. You are dead. You have no faith. You have no, you have nothing. You're dead. You have no spirit. You have nothing. The only way you're going to ever be drawn to the Lord, 
to Jesus is because God draws you. That's Bible. God draws us. The Spirit of God convicts us. God gives us, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. God gives you the faith. God gives you the grace. He gives you everything, and he gives everybody in this world, I believe, what they need to be saved. If you want it, you can have it. If you don't want it, it's not forced on you. If you want to believe, believe. If you don't want to believe, you don't have to believe. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, verse number 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when we look at man's will, man can receive salvation or not receive it. Man can believe or man cannot believe. We see letter C, that man can be called on God or choose not to call on God. Romans 10.13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me give you one quick little, before we go a little bit further tonight. I think sometimes we get caught up with people that they got to pray a prayer in order to be saved. You know, the Bible never tells you you got to pray a prayer to be saved. That's something that we have added. And we think that a prayer makes it, it's our belief on Jesus Christ. You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is who the Bible says he is. So sometimes we get caught up on things that are not completely scriptural. I'm not against a sinner's prayer. But the Bible doesn't say there's a sinner's prayer. There's an acknowledgement and there's a turning to Christ. Just a little thought there for you. So we see God's will and we see man's will. And as we look at that, I want to give you one last thought. You have God's will and you have man's will. Well, there's one last thing I want to give you, and that's number three, whosoever will. It's another way of looking at the will. We'll look at it here. That term, whosoever, is defined as anyone without exception. There are many verses that we could look at, and I'm, I got them written here. I just want you to see that the gospel's for everyone. Joel chapter 2, verse 32, Old Testament even. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Did you know that that's what Paul was quoting in Romans chapter number 9? Or chapter 10, verse 13? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He was quoting Joel. It says, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in the Mount Zion in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Say, well, it says there the Lord calls. He does. Who receives the call and who doesn't? Who comes? Here you go. How many times have, do my kids hear, hey, um, William, Alyssa, David, Matthew, and the boys are playing a video game. They hear the call. The question is, 
do they answer the call? Or do they ignore the call and just keep playing and say, I, couldn't he- I didn't hear you? Like, you know they heard. But what do they do? Do they answer the call or do they ignore the call? God calls. What do men do when that call comes? That's why what is the only unforgivable sin? Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Spirit of God convicts a person of their need for salvation and people reject that call. And there comes a point where God says, you rejected me long enough, I'm going to reject you. And that's where we see in Romans chapter number 1, and, that, and it, it could get to that point. And the only sin that's unforgivable is not knowing Christ, right? That's what it comes down to. And so we see that in Joel. We think about John three sixteen that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God's so love of the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John chapter 4, Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman here. Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, it wasn't just for the Jews, it was for the Gentiles as well, and the Samaritan woman, shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John eleven twenty six says, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. It was, you know, Mary and Martha uh, when Lazarus had died. John 12, verse 46 tells us, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me shall not abide in darkness. Now, in case that hasn't been enough for you, look at what it says in Acts 2.21, Peter's message at Pentecost. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't it interesting? Not only did Paul quote Joel, but you also have Peter quoting Joel. They're both quoting Joel, that passage that we read earlier. Bible tells us in Acts 10.43, To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 John 4.15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. 1 John 5.1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begatteth loveth him also that is begotten of him. I already read that in Revelation twenty two seventeen. The gist of it all is God's will is that not anyone would perish. God does not delight or want a sinner to go to hell. He sent his son so all men could be saved. Men have a choice. Do they receive it or not receive it? Do you believe? Do you not believe? But as we looked at the end here, God's invitation is to all men. It's not to a select group. Not to serve. And this is the thing. If you want to say that God picks and chooses who goes to heaven, then I think what the Bible says about God and God being a loving God and God being just, then you might as well throw all that out of the Bible. And God's just a mean guy upstairs that picks and chooses who he wants based on who he likes and who he doesn't like. And you're painting God in a picture that the Bible does not portray him in. Jesus died for all. Everyone has that choice. I can't make that choice for someone outside of this room. I can't make that choice for you. I can't make that choice for my kids. I can't get my kids saved. I don't get to do that. 
they have to choose Christ. I can't get this world saved. I can't convince someone at their door to get saved. The Spirit of God convicts them, and they have to choose Christ. Does that make sense? But man plays a part in it. God's will is that no one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And man has a choice to make. God puts enough light in every person that comes into this world, enough light to know that there's a God. And if you want him, you will find him. If you seek him, you will find him. If you don't want him, you're not going to find him. If you want to choose Caesar instead of the king of the Jews, that's what they chose. They chose that. Maybe that's, to me, there's enough there that I see that man has a free will to choose Christ or not. But to many, that's not enough there for them. If there's no free will, then we're all just playing the game, God's game. But there is free will. In all reality, you look at all through the Bible. You say, how is God sovereign, though? And how does man's will play into God's will? Do you realize God lets men choose and do what they do? But God is sovereign. And you can look at the book of one of my favorite books in the Bible that doesn't even mention God's name is the book of Esther. The book of Esther is an amazing book, and it's so neat to see. God's name's not mentioned one time, and we see a lot of crazy things go on in the book of Esther. And behind the scenes... God is working it all together and making it work. That's why the Bible says we know all things work together for good to them that love God. God can take our mess-ups and our dumb choices and he can make them work out. Because he's behind the scenes and he knows. This is the thing. This is where I feel that when we say that we don't have a free will, if God knows all things, he already knows the choices we're going to make. He doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to make us make it. He already knows those things. So why complicate it? With salvation, God's will is for everyone to get saved. God wants us to take the gospel to every creature. But man must make a choice what they do with the gospel. The invitation is not to the few elect. The invitation is to all men and all women everywhere. And what they do with it is their choice. But God has given everyone all they need to get saved. And no one has no excuse. No one can say that they have an excuse. There is no excuse. Because God's put it all together and made it possible. Father,